This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 472, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. You're nobody till somebody loves you. You're nobody till somebody cares. You may be king, you may possess the world's and its gold. But gold. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 472. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and that's my co host, apparently Eros, the god of love. Is that how we think of ourselves these days? That's, uh, I'm just, if we're going to do a show, uh, we're going to do a show with love advice. I wanted to feel confident, so I've, uh, I've renamed myself, formerly Josh Flanagan, now. Eros, the god of love. Is it because you're stuck in the house under 15 feet of snow and There's nothing else so to do much but make snow. more babies? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Just ain't for making no more babies, you hear now? We are iFanboy, <laughs> and we like comics. Everyone can read a stack of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other comics, talk about some other stuff, read some listener mail. It'll be fun. And uh, here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some, so be careful. And before we get to the pick... Uh, this is Valentine's Day weekend. Happy Valentine's Day for all you lovers out there. All you lovers out there. You, I was going to say, you missed a chance to say that really sexy, and then you came back and you delivered, and I just, you know, I think we all appreciate it. And uh, so this episode, first of all, I don't know about you, Josh, but I had a pretty light week, so there wasn't a, I didn't have a lot of books to want to talk about. So we're going to talk about fewer books than normal, because in addition to doing your romance email questions, which, of which we have many, uh, this is what also, you've all come for. There's also I mean, some uh, some big news happened in the last week of comics, so we're going to hit on that a little bit too. So we're going to talk about comics, then talk about some bit of, a little bit of news, and then we're going to get to your uh, romance questions. So thank you all for sending those in. Uh, but before we get to those, Josh, Eros, the god of love, had the pick of the week. Yeah. Um, the pick of the week is Southern Bastards number seven. It was the first book I read. I had no doubt it was going to be the pick of the week. I read some other very good books, uh, but never once did it waver. Um, and for me, uh, I would say that the, that the reason that this was the pick of the week, the, the reason I feel like this was a little bit of a breakthrough issue for, for the way that I was viewing this book. Now, I know this has been pick of the week before. I know we've talked about it. I've enjoyed it very much. I feel like this was the moment where it really clicked in for me where I was like, okay, I completely, I'm, I, I, I wasn't just liking it a lot. I was like, oh, this is, this is a really, really excellent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for there's a couple of reasons for that. Okay. One, uh, this was the moment that I saw that w- what what Jason Aaron brought to Scalped mm-hmm. um, when when we had we spent time with Dash and then we we flipped and we spent a lot of time. Uh, was it Red Crow? Yes. Does that sound right? Uh-huh. It's been a little while. I haven't thought about it. Uh, and, and we got to see both sides of their lives, and all of a sudden, like there wasn't a protagonist and an antagonist anymore. There were just characters, mm-hmm. um, and and I've enjoyed the sort of flashback to to, to boss coach, coach boss. boss. Please use his proper uh, title; he earned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is one I realized I was like, oh, the, he's going to fully flesh out this character, and we're going to spend as much time on his side of the table as anybody else's, and and. I don't know why that didn't occur to me, but it's exactly what the thing that I loved about Scalped. And Scalped was my favorite running ongoing series for years. Mm-hmm. 
and it really felt like it all sort of clicked into place here. And I was like, these are all the things that, that I, I really dig about it. And then, you know, at the same time, I think that the sort of the, the love of football that, that, that I'm, I assume Jason Latour has, has this kind of love, but I know, uh, that, that, that Jason Aaron does, especially for, for Alabama football, you know, it's just it's coming through here, and and I've always said for like a long I don't I don't like sports mm-hmm. um, as a thing to watch scores as a thing to like like who won this week who's up in the standings who's the best players I don't care about that but I love I love sports as a reflection of culture All I right. could watch sports documentaries till the cows come home because they are an incredible reflection of the world around them and what's going on at the time and. That's what this book does. It's, I mean, it's, it's like one of those things where, you know, I think I've said, like, somebody says, oh, I, I, don't, I don't like a movie about boxing because I don't like boxing. Like, the movie's not about boxing. Right. It's not, that's not what it is. Like, this book's not about football, but football is, is, a, is a key element or even a character of the book. And I, I, I Well, it's about I just, life. I think he, and mm-hmm. football is life in these small southern towns. Yeah. And, and to me, that is 100% valid and 100% interesting. Uh, you know, that's the thing that people build their their worlds around, and and you know, definitely more than where I live. Uh, you know, like I could watch all of uh, Friday Night Lights, and 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 I'm still not what I would say as a football fan, but through this light in this way, the way that he's using the the sport, um, I really really enjoy that. Um, and I, and I just think that for whatever reason, this issue issue seven, like it's all really coming together. I feel like everybody's totally hitting their stride, and you know, because there's a, there's a lot of work to be done in the beginning of a series where you're introducing people, places, the tone, what you're trying to get across, all that stuff, and then this is the part where like, okay, now run, you know, like they're, they we're just going with it, and and I really found myself like I was thinking of all this stuff as I read it, and I was like, oh, I've I have things to talk about with this book. I it's like it's I was it was all clicking for me, and I was understanding what was going on. Uh, you know, from a sort of larger artistic level, I, I felt, and uh, it's it's really impressive. I still uh, it's, all, I, it's me, all that stuff. For me, I'm still waiting a little bit for it to run. I really like this issue, and I like the series a lot, quite a bit. I just want to get to the story. This is the classic, you know, a storytelling technique of of opening this opening a story up with a particular arc, uh, get to a pretty awesome cliffhanger, and then take uh, a step back and flesh out some of the characters. And I like that a lot. I'm just very excited to get to the actual story itself. And I know this is part of the story, but I'm actually yeah, yeah, excited but, to get but to also, the daughter and everything. I mean, remember, like with Scalp, there are a lot of ebbs and valleys and, and, and eddies and we go off to the side, you know, and, yeah, and I think all the that. Yeah, I I like was... those characters more than I like these characters so far. Oh, really? Um, I, I mean... I don't like Coach Boss I, at I all. I feel like... See, I feel like this... Oh, I'm, I'm waiting to see the moment. Like, what happens to it? Like... I don't know. From his point of view, from his point of view, he's not a bad. Or, or maybe he is, you know. But he's not there yet, and and, and I, I don't. Yeah, I know. But like, that that wasn't the same with Lincoln Red Crow. Lincoln Red Crow, like you get the sense like he knew he was a bad guy, and he wasn't entirely happy with it. But he's like, well, well we don't you know, we is, don't know what, my, my mo- what modern boss thinks. We know what just at a high school boss, but just at a high school boss isn't a bad guy. But right, but. Uh, so, you know, there's well, a lot at- of road between then and where he is now, where he's ordering the murder of people, and actually I guarantee you, people. I guarantee you, it's a better story than Star Wars Episode Two and Three, though. <laughs> I, I don't know what those things are. And it- <laughs> I mean, like 
he's i'm guessing that his story will be more interesting than than murdering a bunch of sand people and just going all right i'll kill i'll kill the children i don't know what you're talking about that's, that's all that i remember Look, about those about things jason aaron yeah he's got a great beard and he writes real good but for me uh jason latour i want to talk about how much I, an- energy and atmosphere and character he brings to these people and these places want- and these things that are happening in this book He's I want to say that that also clicked for that also clicked for me this week. Mm-hmm. Again, I've been enjoying what he's been doing, but this time I was like, okay, this is this is really good. And I, and again, yeah, like it felt a lot like scalp to me. That like the art even did. Well, I'll give, I what I give I you about I, that is that well, I don't think the art looks like the art of scalp. What I do think is that it creates a very vibrant and re, and unique atmosphere that scalp the same in the same way scalp looked like no other book on the stands and felt very authentic. Which is funny, considering it was drawn by a guy from Spain. Uh, I think this book is also very looks very unique, like nothing else in the stands, and it has a very lived-in feeling, and it feels very authentic. And I think that they both accomplish the same kind of thing in that way. He's got those those like all the characters have those faces. It doesn't. It looks in no way photorealistic, but you know, it's just it's good cartooning. Like it reminds me of of it reminds me a little bit of Gara. Uh, but it's a, a little more um, uh, unrealistic, I, like I suppose. They all look so it's almost in the face. Everybody looks like they got a broken yeah. Well, I like that. so it also reminds me of, of Jeff Lemire of Essex County, yes, kind of like I there's guess. there's a touch of that in the faces mm-hmm. and the noses and that. Like that, like you said, worn in, but like it's just like the like the people look kind of tired. Like he's, you know, like when when he draws the like the they're blind all kind coach of guy. My life, and they're and you can see yeah. it on their faces. And also, there's a lot of brutal violence, not just on the football field, but around it. And you really feel every crunch mm-hmm. of every bone in the in the in the hits and the punches and the smacks and the beatdowns of yep. pipes. And it really is a visceral feeling book. And I, you know, I I sympathize with Coach Boss in this issue for sure. He's someone who mm-hmm. has a talent and is trying desperately to use that talent to make a better life. And his uh, vindictive. His own coach is keeping him. Screws him basically. Keeps him from going to college and playing for Bear Bryant in Alabama, and instead, uh, you know, poisons every college and tries to recruit him. So now he's stuck being the ball boy of his high school, and destined to become uh, coach himself. Always with the little shorts, though. Never wavering from the little oh, shorts. Never, never, ever wave from the little shorts. He's no got the how legs large for it. you get. It's also really hot down there, so I get it's it. It's true. It's humid. I, I guarantee you that's the, that's not a modern breathable fabric. <laughs> no, it's a polyester. It's not. It's a. It's not oh. a cotton. It's a polyester for sure. It's gonna lead to some chafing, is what I'm basically getting. I at. also appreciate the tucked-in T-shirt into the tiny shorts. It's a look, and you really got to commit to it. Yeah, I couldn't do it. It's a props to you, Coach Boss. I definitely. I, I'm not built for it. I know that. You can. I don't smell, even need to try it out. You can smell uh, the barbecue in this book. It's not yes. a book to read when yeah. you're hungry. Yeah. And not that there's even any barbecue in this arc as there was in the first arc, but it, it has that authentic feeling. And if you read the letters pages, it's a really interesting letters page because it's full of southern angst from people who live there or used to live there. And it's a really interesting yeah. conversation going on in the letters well, page. You know, where you're, you know where you're getting the barbecue from? If you flip through it, it's basically barbecue colored. It's true. <laughs> it's only the only colors in this book are those of barbecue. That's that's very true. I didn't think about that, but now it's like subliminal. Yep. Big barbecue got to Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. Mm-hmm. Can't trust big barbecue. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Uh, what else did there you do? With I, I just 
Just, I mean, just a great book. Um, four and number five, if we can just carry on with the oh. Jason Aaron parade. All right. <laughs> Maybe we feel bad because we weren't especially kind to the Star Wars 2 last week. I didn't even realize um, it was Jason Aaron on back-to-back. That's because I'm dumb. Yeah, no, I, I, did, I did that on purpose. I know, I'm dumb. Um, I, re- I really liked this issue. I liked, uh, I liked what we did with Odin a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, Odin's a dick. And, and I thought that was really fun. Like, like, to just really get him into there, it's not like beneath all that exterior that there's a loving father. Like, he's not. And, well, and that is and really no, interesting right? I mean, me. he's really angry that there's somebody parading around as his son. And I want to get to the bottom yeah. of it. And that, to me, is, a, is as at, caked in the veneer of his, his dickishness. I mean, that seems to be parent, a parental reaction. I don't know. I feel like it's his own ego because it was his hammer that he made, Mm -hmm. and like you know, he had the people tortured and jailed because they weren't. She doesn't have anymore. Yeah. Uh, Either way, you know, and he's kind of a dick to his wife, and he, you know, either he's Jack Arnold, but but leader, but but the creator of the world also. Um, Besides that, though, huh? Jack Arnold loved his kids, though. But he was angry. Who who says he doesn't love his kids? Well, um. You can be a dick and love your kids, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. Actually, no, I can definitely, I can, I can confirm that. <laughs> um, then the other, the other part of it was, uh, there's a, there's an interlude in this. We spend most of the time with Thor, who, by the way, has a scroll with a list of names on it that he needs to cross off. There's something because very he can't remember. Yeah, just... I know, but he's a god. I think he can remember a series of like. Ten things. Yeah, but there's a certain majesty to having the quill pen, having the little cup of ink, you know, licking the tip of the pen, dipping in the ink, and then crossing off a name that he knows is not. He should have door. a. He should have a servant for that. He should just wonder list on he a, map, a on his phone. Does it? So anyway, it, but either way, skipping that, we there's an interlude here uh, with the absorbing man, and it is a uh, Titana, mm-hmm. Titania, whatever, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 the new Thor, where. I mean, let's be honest. This is a conversation with the readers, with the readers, with the less progressive readers uh, of the book, the people who complained, the people who are involved with that game thing, mm-hmm. the the people. Well, no, but like, and it's all very direct. And at first, my first instinct is this is a little on the nose, and then but then my second instinct was I was like, this is what Marvel used to be. Yes. This is what this is what Stan and Jack would do in the '60s and '70s, and and what you know all those other guys in the '70s would do. Where Marvel books got that way because they were a little bit edgy, they were a little bit counterculture, and this is fairly bold. When uh, you have seen you know the reaction, like like the way that many of the longtime fans have acted towards a lot of this stuff, they're basically taunting them, and I I really liked that at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, you know, like like uh, Creel says something along the lines of of like you know, he calls it was his feminist crap, you know, like and and it's it's all just putting it right on the table, and then we don't care, right? And right. I, I I I after I thought about that, and and I told, and it was all like from a storytelling standpoint, it was maybe a little bit out of place or whatever, but it was just like we're gonna have this conversation with you, and this is why, and this is doing it, and I, you know, I'm all in, like I'm completely on board with the story. It's really interesting. I like the um, tone, the bombastic tone, especially in the final page in which Odin uh, is going to release the destroyer on the new Thor to get his hammer back for his son. He's the even the you know the, the the position of his body, the way he's holding up one arm, the dialogue, the angle of the camera. It's just like 
release the the destroyer and his arm is up and he's grasping at the sky and i just love that sort of he's he's grabbing his balls um tickling a little bit but you know if there's any book that you're able to do that and it's this one so i like that 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 grandiosity that sort of melodrama and then i had one last tiny point about this that Mm -hmm. I, i wanted to bring in um i'm noticing not in everything but in some books since the movies we're we're getting a different kind of drawing. This uh, Jorge Molina drew this issue. Yeah. He was sort of like a guest artist. And when you look at four in this, he looks like a human. And yes. what I mean by that is he's not overly styled. Like his body looks pretty anatomically correct. If you're a really big, but dude. you're not suggesting that Chris Hemsworth is human and of of human DNA and and of a mortal man. Those eyes? Have you seen the I mean, eyes? Have you me? watched Rush? Yeah. Where basically we just I've look watched, at his eyes. I've watched Rush thing. several times. He's not, he's not a human, Josh. And don't think for a second he is. Either way, I just I, I was appreciating the fact that they'd sort of, you know, they'd they have a, a more realistic idealization of what he looks like. And I was like, wow, they're really drawing this book like that. And then I turn the page and I see like Culbors and God of Fear with his gigantic cartoony shoulders. And I was like, all right, it's fine. Um but I like that. I think it's a really neat direction, and it works sort of in contrast to this book. So you, you know, like everything that is they fantastic. Are, they are bleeding in the movie stuff into the into the comic stuff. I think there are some positive effects to the art because with that you get the costumes. In this instance, you get the I, I mean, Hawkeye like, does the costume, costume even matter? You're never going to see those Hawkeye no, masks I don't ever want that. again. No, but I mean, it's the same thing. Like, if you read the Hawkeye book, like Clint Barton is built like a person in that book. No, I get He's that. Not built like Go back and so well, this, that's the, the only thing I'm talking about. Characters, I get that. Okay, I'm not talking about all that. I'm just talking about the way that some of the characters are being drawn, uh, and I, you know, I like that style. I like how Michael Lark draws the characters as opposed to how uh, Ed McGinnis draws the characters. Basically, is what I'm saying. So what you're and saying? I, is Steve I, I think Rogers cool. has left to go direct movies. That's why he's not Captain America. <laughs> I thought he was. I thought it was like a hundred. That was the problem. He's, he's old. No, I'm I guess just, he's like Clint Eastwood. I'm just going to assume that you you are not. Eating, even reading war stories, because number five. Came out <laughs> you know, I got, I, I got to tell you, um, very seriously. I, I, I was like, I'm going to read war stories today. I'm going to make sure I get, and then it just you know, got away from. Well, me. this is <laughs> chapter two of three of the. Uh, and we talked about this last time. Israeli, the Israeli, yeah, the Yom Kippur War, 1973, the Arab-Israeli War has many names. Um, so it's in the non World War II story, and this was actually really tense. And really fantastic. I think one of the best issues of War Stories in a while. A lot of it See, is because the art's really great. And because uh, he's been suffering from poor artists for a while. But this was the issue. So the last issue, we met a bunch of Israeli soldiers on the front line. Uh, you know, none of, them, none of them are professional soldiers. You know, they're all conscripted, at, you know, uh, in, in Israel eventually. And, you know, they all got jobs and families. And they're all doing their, their duty and waiting for... This war they don't think will actually happen, and at the very end of the last issue, you know, Syria attacked. And this issue is just a one giant long tank battle, and not in the same way of tankies up close and, and bloody and personal. This was like a long range tank battle in which all these Israeli tanks are up on a ridge, and he's dug out um, ramps with protection in front of them, and Syria is coming at them from below. So Israel has the high ground, and it's just a wave after wave of tanks coming at. Them. And I thought it was really tense. Really interesting the way that the crew reacted. These are not again not professional soldiers, so they start cracking under the pressure of days and days and days of tanks just coming at them. And uh, especially for me, as a for a war, I don't know a whole lot about. 
I, f- I find all of it really interesting to learn about. Is it the Six Days War? Something like that? It's 1973. It's actually... called the Yom Kippur War and, the Arab, and also okay. the Arab-Israeli War. And it's when Syria and uh, Egypt, I believe, uh, attacked Israel from two sides. And it's really interesting. Really great art in this one. I f- well, I was excited because uh, I-, I saw you put it on the list again, and I thought, oh, that means that it's good. Because he's not going to just want to be like, you didn't read it, did you? And so I, I was like, I'm gonna- I really want to read this in the last issue before, and I just, I didn't make it. You'll, I don't know if you you'll know. enjoy this. You can um, skip the first arc. The second arc is where I have at. to shovel. Um <laughs> Several times a day now, so that's been taking up a considerable amount of my my, my time. <laughs> There's a lot of snow removal. Why why else have uh, kids unless you can put them to work? They're not they're not useful yet. The one of them he doesn't walk, so right off that's a disadvantage when it comes to snow removal. Uh, and the other one just complains too much to make it worth it. So this uh, this is appropriate. This is the Valentine's Day episode. We have Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special number one. And I find this book interesting, not just because it's enduringly popular, which is not to say it's bad. It's just so unusual. And actually, we're going to talk about DC's announcement that happened last week soon. But this book is kind of like a farce. It's completely over the top. It's silly. It it doesn't connect at all to the rest of the DCU. And it's not a Harley Quinn you'll recognize from any other place. She's maybe close to the animated series but not even like that and then she's we made the joke before this is harley harley quinn landlord which is really the name of the series but it's just so silly and i find it really interesting that that they dc allows this to happen and and that it's so popular but uh who allowed this to happen in this issue uh and i don't mean that in a bad way i just you know historically speaking uh in this issue uh, Harley, there's, Harley Quinn uh, sees that there's going to be a bachelor auction for a date with Bruce Wayne, and she decides since he, Bruce Wayne has a um, animal shelter, he's opening. And he's a pet lover, and she's a pet lover, so she finds him even more attractive. So she needs to get a lot of money together to win that auction, and uh, so hijinks ensue. And there's, there's a couple of uh, criminals in here who are inept, the Carp and and uh, like Sea Robin or something. They are Trying to trying to save all the sea life, running against the animal lovers, and it's there's a lot of Jimmy Palmiotti's uh, animal politics in here, which I'm fine with. But uh, it's really kind of interesting. What are Jimmy Palmiotti's animal politics? He's he's very much in saving all the animals, which is great, obviously. Right. But uh, so there's a lot of that in here. But it's silly because they keep in this issue. It's a lot of fourth wall breaking. Every time Harley Quinn falls asleep, we cut to cut to a dream sequence by a different artist. A lot of it involves being married to Bruce Wayne, and then at one point Bruce Wayne gets knocked out, so we go to his dream, in which he's married to Harley Quinn, but it's a nightmare. And it's fun, it's silly, the arts are written, this is really good, and uh, it's just uh, very unusual. Like Harley Quinn's always bashing people with giant mallets, and then they, you see them later on with their heads just lying in a pool of blood, and it's just never mentioned again. It's, just, it's, it's bizarre, this, the tone of this book. It's fun, though. It's very... Unlike what you what what DC, I mean, all of the things that you use non continuity, just kind of farcical, just sort of going well, with this. It kind fun. of feels like, and again, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. The way DC is going to go, well, at least what they, they what they say they're going to do, whether or not they actually do it, but sort of the non continuity, just tell fun stories route. Because mm-hmm. this is not at all does not at all fit in what else is going on. But it's great. It's fun. Cool. Now, I wanted to mention Astro City 20 because 
we talked about 18, and 18 was the first part of this arc in which we meet characters on the downslope of their career. If you recall, Josh, we really liked that. We yes. saw those characters who didn't have powers dealing with getting older and slower and taking longer to heal. <laughs> This has been. This has been. I was like, oh, it's an, it's another one. I was like, oh, this is gonna be like a long arc, which historically in Astro City have not been very, well, not historically, but in the last decade or so have not been good. Um, but uh, well, but we had is... a we had a good one with the Trinity arc earlier with the three main characters. Anyway, the um, this I didn't really love the last issue nineteen, which delves into the past of one of the characters. Cause I didn't really care about the, her past. I. I found the story of them falling apart as older heroes interesting, and we're back to that in full force in this issue, in which uh, we we see how this uh, female character's name I can't remember uh, how she Coral. how she dealt with getting older and slower and and not being as fast in the battlefield, and you know what that meant for her life, and then her boyfriend in the same way is on this never-ending quest to find a serum that will make him younger and faster and the consequences of that. And I really just found all of this really interesting and entertaining. It's been, it's been great. Like, it's one of those things like, oh, it's this story again. Cool. Yeah. Like, I was just happy that we're, that we're still going with it. I was, I'm 100% on board. I really liked the examination of the relationship that she had with, this, with MPH, with his name, which is also the name of an, yeah. of an yep. image book. Um, yep. about how so there's a lot of characters in this book, so I don't think you can blame anybody. She never had time for any of the regular relationship things like breakfast in bed or remembering birthdays because she's constantly training because she doesn't have superpowers, unlike him. And she was constantly getting up super early and falling asleep really early. And I liked, I liked seeing that aspect of superheroing. Like what happens when you're when you're into your forties? You've been doing this for twenty years. What does that do to your body and your stamina? And it was good. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 ready for more. I can totally go with that. Um, so I wanted to touch on uh, Darth Vader number one real quick. I am I'm of a couple of minds on this. I'm really um, interested to see what you think of Darth Vader number one because we have spent many 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 minutes on our angst over Star Wars. Well, right away there was that thing that we've talked about in the other books, which is them dropping breadcrumbs to be like, right? It's like the movie, right? right. Um, which I don't like. But I know why they do it, and it's almost forgivable in that way because a lot of people do, and they, they want that, I guess. I don't know if it's, they like it because it's obvious. However, I felt that a lot, a lot of what we were complaining about before was um, – that it was like, I guess the when you have Luke and Vader together, like they we what we've seen should be what what there is. But this to me was a little more behind the scenes, and it was like I don't think I've ever thought of the further adventures of Darth Vader mm-hmm. and of him going to hang out and and talk to Jabba. Like I found myself interested despite myself. I suppose uh, is what I would I would say about this. Well, um, the only the only thing that they so the problem we had with last issue of Star Wars was that it really messed with some of the emotional beats of the of of, of the films. Uh, but I thought similarly here when Vader and this is very much a, you know very ties into the Star Wars series. We got flashbacks to well, to that. But I, I thought I, when he recognized, I was going to say I didn't know they were all working together. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that all the stories were going to be connected with each other in sort of a little mini universe kind of thing. Even time wise, well, it's more like as we're reading those, it's happening. I know, but I, I you know, I, I, I'm fine with that. That's kind of cool. I like that. I like that coordination. There, and, but so you're, you're saying the lightsaber, the lightsaber bit? It, it sort of reinforces mm-hmm. that thing where he, uh, he knows who these people are now. Well, 
I mean, here's here's the deal. Although, that, if you think about it, in the Empire, he's after the Skywalker voice, so he must have figured it out at some point. Yeah, right, exactly. So my, my point here is that um, this works because this is, to me, because this is filling in blanks of things that were filled in in that time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's got to be, a, he must have found out who Luke was over the course of between those two movies, and, and maybe this is how, and if he employs Boba Fett, I was like, yeah, that, you know what, that makes sense. It, it, it works. It makes sense. I like that. I liked watching the Emperor and Darth Vader interact more and see how their relationship actually might work, because mm-hmm. um, we've never seen that, uh, and it made sense, and it was kind of like, that's fucked up. Um, and I loved, <laughs> I loved that the story is going to be that, that Darth Vader has to work for Tag. <laughs> Or taggy. I don't know how to say. It. I was like, I, and they they showed him, and I was like, oh, that's awesome because I love Imperial officers from the first movie, especially. Right. I, I was I, I was completely on board with that bit. Um, so he's been demoted I again, a, Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, Salvador La Roca can draw all sorts of things, but I don't need him to draw anybody's face. He can draw a great Everything, Darth Vader and a great Jabba Darth, and a good Boba Fett, but stop drawing faces. Well, there was a, a lot of DVD uh, lightboxing in this. Oh, a lot. The, the, the Emperor was painful. I think the coloring, the coloring didn't help either. It, was, yeah. it made everyone look like they had waxy skin. But there was Question. a lot of DVD capture in this. In this, yeah, there was, and I don't like that. Uh, when you see, when you, when I say the Emperor, or you look at him, do you hear like that moaning music in the background of your head? <laughs> oh, I hear. I, I hear. Good. There was the he. You know what, Kieran? You gotta give Kieran Gillen credit. He had a couple of like like sort of snotty responses. Well, that's uh, the I'm trying to find a character I, for him to write. Oh, I know. I love it. It was like, oh, I'm. Uh, Afraid that it will be, Lord. He's a little sarcastic. I love sarcastic Palpatine. It's one of my favorite things. Well, um, the so idea points for of that. Vader being demoted again because of his failure at at the at the Death Star battle to have to work for that the jerk from the from the first Death Star uh, is going to be fun. I think. I'm more yeah, I, willing I, to give this book a longer leash than Star Wars. I think. I kind of am too. And the other thing is, like, I totally was not. I didn't. I didn't really care. I didn't want to read it. I wasn't interested in it. Here's the um, thing, I'm though. a little interested in it. Couldn't instead of the Wookiee bounty hunter, we had Bosk? No, they don't work together. I just want to see Bosk. Need... Well, listen, there's this room for Trandoshans everywhere, <laughs> but just not now. <laughs> this was fun, though. This was more fun. I mean, a couple of things, wincing things aside, I thought this was much. No, totally. It had those wincing things, but at the end of it, I was like, "All right, you know what? I came out of that enjoying it more than it." Well, and, you know, it's it is really interesting to see what they're going to do with these because well, they matter in a way. Do you have it in front uh, of you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look at swipe through to the cover for the next issue. It's going to make you laugh. It's uh yeah no I did I saw I know what you're talking about you know I didn't even have to get there. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I don't know how Vader. to pronounce that guy's name. I don't either. And it bothers me because I keep wanting to say Madi, but it's not Madi. No, Madi was already. They, they talked. They it's, mentioned Madi. It's Tag, or, but I don't know how you say it. It's T A G G E. Yeah. We'll, say, we'll just call him Tag. Because uh, Tags make him like sound tag. even more like a dick. Like an oh, 80s villain. He's got the sideburns. And, you know. Uh, v- and Vader's like, doing like the Vader's Vader strut kind of, back past him. Apparently, he's, a little, he's like a little like. Hmm. He's doing a Vader strut apparently in front of a giant fan. And uh JG Jones? Tag is scowling. Who's these? I don't know who's doing the covers. But uh cover Adi artist, Adi okay. yeah. Good stuff. Really fun. Just good. I yeah. like the design of them. 
So uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it. It's fun. Go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's how you can help us uh, keep the show on the air. That's where you go to find a link to Amazon. You make your purchase. We get a piece of that action. No one gets harmed in the process. No animals are harmed in the making of this movie. And we really appreciate everyone who does that, as well as ifanboy.com slash registration, where for 3 bucks a month or 30 bucks a year, you can help the show out directly by becoming an iFanboy member. And we appreciate everyone who does that, including people who let us know on Twitter that they've done it. I really like to see... Uh, when people do that, and we appreciate everyone who helps us out or any podcast that they listen to. And uh, those were the books we wanted to talk about this week. We talked about uh, a little bit fewer than normal, not not a ton fewer, but we wanted to get to some of the other stuff. Plus, it wasn't not a lot of we books were, this week. We were, we were going to do less, but there were really things to talk about, so it was hard to. So, yeah. you know, we're trying to... There so, really quickly, this was funny. We Josh and I last week were excited. We're excited anytime we can get the show done early and not have to... Uh, screw up our social or family lives to get the show done so we got this we found time last That's week about to Greg okay to do the show on Thursday and uh, on we woke up Friday morning to find the DC had an, instigated another mini reboot of sorts and everyone was like oh I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it and we were like well uh, you're gonna have to wait another week because we did the show already so what happened while we were sleeping Josh was that uh, DC announced a whole slew of new books and uh, a whole, you know, a whole bunch of diff- uh, unique and interesting characters getting books, a whole bunch of unique and interesting creators doing those books. Some, for sure, some mainstays, absolutely. But uh, also, an, apparently, from Dendidio, an interview with Dendidio, a mandate to not worry about continuity so much as worry about telling good stories. And this is being called in some circles the bat girlization of... DC, in which books like Batgirl and, uh, as we mentioned, Harley Quinn, which have both been very popular, have not really been worried about so much the bigger tapestry of DC and not worried so much about looking like a book from the 90s and just told good stories and have proved to be successful. So we're seeing a lot more of that in this list. At least it's, it's in the list. We don't know until these books actually come out what they're going to be like, but uh, that's what we're told is going to happen. So what do you, what did you think of, of what, what happened? Well... I've got this list here in front of me, and basically it's, uh, you know, the title of the book, the writer, and the artist is what what it looks like. Um, And I find myself gravitating to look at the names to see who's drawing or who's writing and drawing stuff. And there's, I mean, you could say it's a change, but there is, there are a lot of the usual gang. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like 60, 70% of it are, you know, the folks that we're used to see. There's a lot of Scott Lobdell, Dan Juergens. I don't know if it's uh, 60%. All right, maybe maybe Paul Levitt, Scott Lobdell, Scott Lobdell, and uh, um, Keith Giffen. Uh, so the, you know, like there's a lot of the same, and which is fine. I don't want them to fire everybody who has a job. Right. Uh, but as you go through this, there are some bright spots uh, that I think are kind of interesting to me. The first thing that stood out, the thing that made me very excited, was Section Eight by Garth Ennis and John McRae, right. uh, the Hitman team, um, and I think Section Eight. I haven't read Hitman in so long. I believe I it takes those place. are characters. Yeah, I think it's, it's Hitman. Yeah, characters. those are characters from like uh, like uh, Bueno Excelente and the Defenestrator and these these sort of games. <laughs> bueno Excelente <laughs> was my was my desktop for years, <laughs> and it's just him like like going, Ooh, Bueno. Uh, you have to look that up, but uh, they, you can't because they don't sell the they won't sell the trades, uh, <laughs> but. Um, well, they sold the Hitman trades. They put new ones out a couple years ago. They didn't finish. They didn't finish. Like I, I had like half of them, and then they stopped doing them. Well, they must not have sold. I remember. And then they I were going like to the do them again. Five. Right, but then they stopped. Uh, so like we didn't get to read the whole story, hmm. and I still can't. 
Um, it's not on the. I think I don't think it's on the because I look on the apps every once in a while. I want to read the rest of it, but I can't. Right. Um, that's a really great superhero story. People should go back and look for those uh, Hitman. Uh, Martian Manhunter by by Rob Williams and uh, Ben Oliver. That's kind of cool because uh, Rob Williams uh, did the Royals Masters of War series that we both like so much. But also um, because that's I, neat. I think that's a character that really got the short end of the stick in the reboot. Absolutely. And, and um, it was such a mainstay in the universe beforehand and became basically irrelevant and, with the reboot. And so that's good to see. I'm curious what you think of Constantine the Hellblazer by Ming Doyle and newcomer Riley Rosmo. First of all, that was I did notice that. The first thing I noticed in the press release was newcomer Riley Rosmo. I was like, but... He's been doing books since we've been doing this, being, as long as we're doing this show. I remember I had a quote on the back of his book way before I had children. <laughs> and I've had children for a while. So, like, like do creator-own books not count? When, or is newcomer to DC? I guess you could get away with that. Uh, it's now called Constantine the Hellblazer. Um, we're sneaking back in, Josh. Yeah, I mean, like, it does feel a little bit like I told you that was not going to work. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I am totally of the mind, like, I'm, I'm really down with British people writing Hellblazer, and I like it that way. Um, but who knows? But you know, there's a lot of artists writing in this, like a ton. Ming Doyle. Yeah. Uh, you think of her primarily as, a, as, a, as an artist. Um, Pat Gleason. Uh, what's the other one down there? Pat Gleason is another Hitch. one. Brian, yeah, Brian Hitch. Brian Hitch wrote and drew a, a miniseries for Image not long ago. Yes. Um, wasn't doesn't it, I can't say that that made me excited for Justice League of America. Well, you're only gonna get two issues. I feel like. Yeah, no. I feel like there are some missteps. Uh, we have Tom King uh, on a Mega Man, kind of cool. A Prez series. Well, the f- look, um, the fact is, there's a lot of excitement for these books, and a lot of people applauding DC for trying a lot of interesting characters in the lead role and and new creators, but. The fact of the matter is, the historically speaking, the the audience and the market has not been very receptive to these kind of books, and I think no, a good portion of them are going to are going to die a swift death. Well, I, I mean, and if I don't you remember, want them to. I just that's that's what I just think looking at this history of, the, of yep. these things. What happened to half of you know when the DC reboot uh, happened? All, all those genre quote unquote genre books, the ones that weren't superhero stories, you know, were gone by the first year. True, the but the, the other side of that was, uh, you know, I have heard, I don't, I don't know that it's like a big, like a lot of them were edited to death. That's true. So those interesting creators that were brought on to do a thing that was interesting were just henpecked, and they were like a bunch of them were gone, or had just given up. You know, so the books had no chance. You know, very quickly. If you think about, I think it was Blackhawks, and then, uh, well, there was a couple of other books like that that just. Never got off the ground in the first place. I think uh, there was um, – see, it's been long enough now that I don't quite remember. Voodoo, yeah. you know, it was changed right away. There was a bunch of things that just were never given a chance to fly. So my, my question is, are going to let these people do books? Now, before, that was all like they were trying to be super cohesive and everything was the same. And, you know, and if this right. is more, you know, do your own book, that's going to be a whole different thing. And we kind of have a but Batgirl I- spinoff in Black Canary, which one of the co-writers mm-hmm. of Batgirl is writing that. And Black Canary is a supporting character in that book. Anyway, so that's interesting. It's it, it is interesting to see that they have responded to some of the things that have been going on and not not just dug their heels in for another three years. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I, interested. at the same time. I mean, like you know, Paul Levitt, Scott Lobdell. Look, a lot of these I'm not going to read. This is not going to be like the new yeah. two reboot where we read them all. Although that was fun, but I'm not going to do that this time. It, I just I, made air quotes. 
It was oh. fun. We had a good time. It was. Those shows where we did all the books that came wow. out were super fun. Ratings. But Okay. But uh, I'm not not, gonna... not not reading them. <laughs> not going to read all these. So I... much monologue. So much first person <laughs> well, monologue. The thing is I literally just finished reading Superman, the, that first issue. So I feel like I could start again. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about it. So the other big news that happened this week was that, uh, as was alluded to in the leaked Sony emails that came out a few months ago, uh, Sony and Mar- uh, Marvel Studios came to a deal on Spider-Man, which was really interesting, or using the character Spider-Man. So Sony still contains the rights, but Marvel gets to use Spider-Man in their movies and and then produce act as producers on the solo Spider-Man films that Sony has, but Sony doesn't pay them, which is interesting. No one, no one pays anybody, but they just get to use the characters. That, just, that doesn't seem to make sense. I think well, there's apparently a uh, elevator clause in that if the Spider-Man movie makes a certain amount of money, Marvel get, Studios gets some money. But really, it's just about Marvel getting to use Spider-Man in their Avengers movies and then producing those those Spider-Man films for Sony, and that's really what it's about. And it's really interesting to me because, Josh, you'll know this, that you know, for years we've talked to people at Marvel, and, they, and you can go back many, many years, and they, they said, we are never getting Spider-Man. We, we, were, to, we were told that by quite a few people at Marvel that uh, no we, were, hope. we were told there's no hope. We have a whole te- legal team that's constantly working on it, but they, there's just no way to crack the Sony deal. And, and we were, you know, they were, they were going to focus on – and this is talking about the movie side. They were going to focus on other younger characters to try to create a new Spider-Man, but – we all knew that was foolhardy because you can't really make a new Spider-Man. There's only one Spider-Man, well, two. And uh, <laughs> but so this was really interesting. Uh-huh. They finally came, and, and really, this is this is the failure of Sony to make a you know successful Spider-Man series. Really brought them to desperate straits, cl- clearly. And uh, I thought it was really interesting news. I'm looking forward to seeing Spider-Man done by the Marvel team. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know I know this is so exciting for you but I really I'm interested to see especially since they're going to go younger with him and not just like Are they going to do Miles Morales though? No, they're definitely not. Uh No, you think def- you think definitely not. I know, no, definitely not. Um okay. I just I know um, I've, talked, I've talked to people they're definitely doing Peter Parker but uh they they're also doing a younger. They're not doing like 25-year-old playing 16-year-old. They're they're going to cast a young actor and have it. See what I find kid. Inter- what I find interesting is that you don't have that character in the Marvel movie universe. And that will be interesting to see a kid playing off of Tony Stark, which is already seen in Iron Man 3 with two great well, I, I, effect. I think that works really well because, like, you know, Spider-Man popped up and he's, you know, surrounded by giants, basically. And that's right. interesting. You know, he's, he's on his own in the, in, in the other movies. Right. You know, there's, there's superpower bad guys, but there's not, there's not a culture of superheroes. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I mean, I guess it'll be fine. Like, I, I honestly, my thing is, like, the, like the, I think you can start to lose a sense of cohesiveness to a story when you're constantly like adding elements and trying to trying to put too many things in. Which was actually, I think, the Spider-Man movies did wrong. Well, the, for I mean, a while, the, the they thing, kept they kept the, putting more things. The thing is, and this is jumping way many years ahead, but you know, they're cycling out the first first wave of characters here so they have to bring in a bunch of new ones to sustain the avengers franchise right you know so you're gonna you're gonna be getting a avengers team eventually that's dr strange and ant-man and spider-man and scarlet witch and quicksilver that's what's gonna be 
That's what's going to happen. I can't wait for like 20 years from now when we have like the Gilgamesh years. <laughs> it was like the 80s of Dr. Druid. Like, we need Moon, Black Knight, Moon Dragon, <laughs> something. That'll be awesome. Those books were awesome. So those were two bits of interesting and big news. Uh, we're going to get more Spider-Man casting news fairly soon. They're starting shooting uh, the movie in two months that he's in. So they got to get that character uh, locked down. Uh, if anything, they've got to get him, uh, make him a suit that fits. So, uh, really interesting to keep your eye on DC and Marvel Studios coming up. So now, Josh, let's put yes. our relationship expert hats on and answer yeah. some romance audience questions. So, so these questions we solicited from the audience that were not necessarily comic related, though they could be. Most are not. Uh, from people who have relationship questions. And just a disclaimer, once again. Uh, we have uh, no expertise in this area other than our own dating and romantic histories. We have no degrees. We have no training. Just uh, a good heart and a, and a yearn to help. I've watched a lot of movies. Watched a lot of romantic comedies. So I'm going to go for yeah. a lot of uh, advice that goes for big gestures. Yeah. You know, show up to her place of work in a costume or something. That's what right. I know is that at the end, it's pretty much going to work out. Yeah, no matter and what. The girl you do. is going to be much, much more attractive than the male. <laughs> That's what I've learned, uh, unrealistically. So you want to start us off with Darren from London, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Darren uh, writes and says, "I just moved into a flat in Putney with my girlfriend." He's English. Uh, the first time I've ever done this with a girl, and it's been amazing. Now, she has no problem with me reading comics every week or having graphic novels on our bookshelf. It's my passion, and she appreciates that. However. I can, he's, he's got exclamation points here. I'm just trying to do, the, do, him, yeah, justice. do, do him justice. I cannot get her into comics. She's a writer and a huge lover of prose books, so for her, she would rather see fictional world through her own imagination and interoperation rather than a writer and artist showing her how they think it's supposed to be. She read one of my favorite artistic works in any medium, Day Tripper, and was less than enthusiastic about it. So my question to you is this. Is it, is it a hopeless cause to try to convince her of the value of the medium, or is there a comic or graphic novel it, uh, could, that could work to change her mind? I've spent time thinking about this at least four to, at least a good four to six hours a day. There's your problem right there. There's your problem right there. She's che- I don't know what to do with this information. She's Czech. Well, it's long known the Czech hate comics. <laughs> they don't like comics, the, the Czechs. Um, that was what their problem with Slovakia was. Yeah, exactly. Slovakians love comics. Czechs, Czechs hated them. Like, no yeah. good. They're like, we can uh, take her or leave it. She loves... She loves- Loves good children's literature. Neil Gaiman, a books like Gone Girl. Oh, there's, there's your red problem flag, right there. Red flag. Pride, <laughs> Pride, and Preju- Pride and Prejudice. Anything by Milan Kundera. Oh, I sat through. A, I made it through a Milan Kundera book once. Good God. Uh, she loves Downton Abbey and Sherlock. Um, Sherlock is pretty basically a comic book. Like, like I said, she respects that I love comics. She got me Jack Kirby Marvel slippers for Christmas. Awesome. Well, on night. Uh, and I just, I just want to show her what makes comics just as amazing as any book, film, show, or any art form. All right, right off, Darren, we're with you. We you are right? absolutely right about the. We were absolutely right about about the power uh, and va- validity oh, okay, of the medium yes. of comic books. Yes. On that last bit, totally. Um, and you can try to show her. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm ready. I'm gonna, I'm going to trot out a lame metaphor. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right. You, you, uh, you can't force someone to like something they're not going to like. It's it's just it's judging by many of the emails we receive, it's half the battle. She is awesome, excited that you're into it, and gets you these presents that are related to it. Uh, yeah. many guys who are in are going to be jealous of that. 
So that's cool. But you can't force your interest on anyone. You can say, hey, check this out. And if they don't like it, then that's fine. But, you know, you can't make them like it. You guys, you guys all like the animated, like, DC things. Right. And I don't really like them. I don't care. I mean, I, I'm fine that you guys like them. I can see why and, I, you know, appreciate that and everything. But I, I just can't. I just don't. I can't. I can't be bothered. I right. think that's a little like that. And you kind of have to be like, okay, you like your thing, I like my thing. You know, it's fine. You, she doesn't have to just doesn't have to move her the way it moves you. And I and, and I, I get the cool. I get as... the, the the yearning to share what you love with a person that you love. That's natural. But eventually, there then it may not work. You'll get over that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let, have your thing. She's got her. I'm sure there's things she's into that you're not. Right, I'm like, sure. Like Milan Kundera, for example. <laughs> or like when they say that the lightness of be- being is unbearable, they're not kidding. It is unbearable. So <laughs> that's not the uh, Darren. I know this is probably not the uh, advice you want to hear. I mean, look, if you want to, if you really want to give it one last shot, which I'm totally fine with you taking. Once say? again, the grand gesture, as we've been told for years in the movies, always wins. So here's your last hail mary shot: is is you got to hit her with some Neil Gaiman comics. If she likes that would Neil seem Gaiman. to make the most sense. If she likes Neil Gaiman, if she's into literature. Then Sandman seems to be the thing that you'd want to try. Although Sandman can be very hit or miss with Neil Gaiman fans, which seems strange, but it's been so long that most people don't, you know, seem to know him from later works. Because I know a bunch of people who like his books that have been reading Sandman and to very mixed reactions. It's still, it's still that theme of the god who doesn't want to be a god. Oh, absolutely. Or, or I would, absolutely, I would one hundred percent. Uh, try Sandman on her, and if that doesn't work, then enjoy the fact that she likes other cool things and gives you Jack Kirby slippers for Christmas. You know, I don't even know where you get Jack Kirby slippers. And I would just sleep with, sleep with one eye open. There's the whole Gone Girl thing. That's it is distressing. Yeah, that's true. It's a so, good point. So let's try Andrew. It says. Uh, I have a female friend that I'm becoming attracted to. The more I get to know her, I have no idea how she feels about me in this sense. Both of us have recently ended serious relationships, too. I've always thought it would be nice to have a close friendship with someone before becoming romantically involved. I believe that a prior friendship will likely strengthen a potential future relationship, but you risk the chance of either person finding someone else. What do you think of my theory, and what is your experience with friends you've become attracted to? Maybe it's relevant to know that I'm 24 as well. This is another romantic comedy trope. So, Andrew, movies say go for it. Take off your glasses, shake out your hair. Go from nerd to hottie. No, 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 no. That's not real. Get a boombox. <laughs> <laughs> this is find tr- a lawn. This is very tricky, Andrew, for you because hold, hold it up. This uh, this is a potential blow up in your face, and you'll lose a friendship if that happens. No, well, you don't necessarily lose it. Depends on how it blows up in your face, but you, it could it could t- it could take. If you don't want, if you, if you don't no, because. If you don't want, but the thing is, if you're at the point where you don't want it to be a friendship, you've already lost friendship. That's, that's my true. that's my feeling, and so it's not really the thing that she thinks it is anyway. And and the only thing you're doing is delaying the inevitable, where it's gonna fizzle out, or you're gonna get resentful, or she's gonna end up with somebody else, and you'll always have this thing like, wow, what if I should? If you feel like you want to be a thing, you gotta you gotta you gotta step up to it. Right. Well, I think. You know, and, and it's going to change things, and it's totally a risk, but it doesn't matter. As far as you're concerned, that horse is out of the barn. That's what I think. Yeah. I also think you're 24, so it doesn't really matter. It, it's interesting. that There was a study a little while back that, like, like, seven out of eight men 
will develop feelings for a female friend, but like the other way, it was like real low. So yeah, think, oh yeah, totally. I think it's like one out of eight women, but yeah. let's let's define feelings though. Right. I mean, like, does it mean like, wow, I really think I could be with her, or just like, like the more I'm around, like, I really want to see her naked. I don't know. Well, I, don't know if I, it, I was in a actually similar situation to Andrew, not when I was 24, but I was 22, so close enough, where uh, I had a friend at work that I was attracted to. She became single suddenly, and I pounced, not literally, obviously. Uh, we ended up dating, but then because she just got out of a really serious relationship, it didn't work out because she was still all mixed up inside about who she, you know, her feelings. I've, I've had that happen when so I was So that's 20. the risk you take of dealing with someone who just got out of a serious relationship. They're often very have feeling a lot of emotional turmoil from what they've just been through. You know, should I have broken up? Should I not have broken up? I don't know your, her situation. Maybe it was pretty definitive, but uh, that's also risky. You risk, you risk being the rebound relationship. I think I think you make an excellent point there. I mean, like a, like a seriously excellent point, uh, given that. So let me let me revise. I guess you should just uh, for right now just hang out with her. If anything's going to happen, it's going to happen. You can you know, start doing activities just the two of you. And yeah, see that's how what I'm that saying. Goes like, and I don't know if you're part of a group or or what, but uh, you know, go to dinner or a movie or something that's date like activities and just see how it goes. Yeah, you know. And just be cool. Keep it casual. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, no, I think, I think that's the way to go. But God, you're 24. I mean, once you're interested, you're interested. Oh, to be 24. Mostly, mostly I want a 24 year old. I want a 24 year old back, is what I want. Why don't you pick the yeah. next one? Um, Oh, I picked this one because um, I was—I don't know how to answer it. Okay. So that, this is like this is the this is the one that made me feel the oldest. Okay. Okay. Paul from Paul from Minnesota writes in and says, "Hey guys, I got a relationship question. If you're dating a girl and the main form of communication is texting, how quickly should you expect a response to a text? I cannot understand." And then we would go, we would we would go up to the corner store on weekends oh, and ask for an ice cream cone. Sorry. Uh, I can understand if it takes a few hours to get back from somebody, but if it goes a week or more waiting for a reply, can you safely assume that the relationship is over and she isn't really interested? Yes. I recently had this happen during the holidays when a girl I was, quote, really swamped, who, when a girl was, quote, really swamped with work, uh, and texts just stopped coming. Needless to say, it was over by New Year's. Would be interested to hear your thoughts. Um, well, Connor, do you have any say on this? I got a, I got a, lot, a couple of things. First of all, uh, yeah. If if well, I mean, you know the answer, Paul. You you didn't get a response for a week or more, and then the relationship ended. So I don't care how busy someone is. If you're if you're involved with someone, and you don't hear from each other for a week. That is generally a good sign that the relationship is coming to a halt. Even without texting, if it's calling or seeing each other, and it goes a week and you don't communicate, that's generally a bad sign. And the text is really a low-impact uh, effort. Oh, God, it's so easy to do. It's just shoot out a text. But I don't know how people date now. <laughs> oh, you've changed. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I know, like, people who, are, who primarily communicate via forms that don't involve talking um, is bizarre <laughs> to me. Like, I get texting. I do it all the time. I'm constantly texting people. I get it. I'm not, you know, out of that. But 
you know, I'm hip. I'm with it. I'm but, cool. But, uh, like, when I, uh, you know, was out and dating actively, I was texting people but also calling them and also emailing them and also seeing them. Face-to-face. Face-to-face, primarily. That's what the point is, right? I mean... Yes. So, uh, I don't think, you know, this is me being... 37 and saying i don't if, if you're in a relationship and the primary form of communication is texting that might be a problem too but then again that may be just how people date now and that's why we're an emotionally stunted society i think maybe i feel like if you're in something that you're going to call a relationship then then that cannot be the primary form of communication yeah but the thing is i feel I, like I, I, people my sisters they don't talk on the phone no one talks on the phone no 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 but like like you have to like if you're not seeing them and spending time with them, and the only thing you're doing is sending little short misspelled notes back and forth. Or dick can you dicks. call that a relationship? I guess if okay, that is a relationship of a kind right. in the broad sense of that word. Um, I think the yeah, bigger, the bigger like, are these. Go ahead. Are these texts? Are they? Are they sexts? Because that's a whole. I don't know how to deal with that. Is basically well, what I'm saying. Well, the bigger. But if you're just chatting through that, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like, are you missing anything at that point? If she goes away. <laughs> The, big, the bigger thing for me is uh, people in a relationship want to talk to each other and spend time together. So if you're not hearing from someone for a week at a time, then you're, then you're in trouble, no matter what the form of communication is. And I actually had this situation happen to me where somebody I was seeing and then the communication got less and less. And then finally I didn't hear from, I didn't hear from them for a week. So I was you know, like, well, I guess that's it. You know, that's, that's pretty much it at that point. But- but at that point, wasn't that more due to the fact that your iPad um, <laughs> needed new parts and they don't make them anymore, so you couldn't get back to them? You get them on eBay. Uh, yeah, and they were like shipped from they Russia. They came from Slovakia. <laughs> they love com- comics. And they had a comic, and a comic, and a piece of iPad part. Everything you get from eBay and from Slovakia has a comic in it. Little known fact. Yeah, they love it. They, like they love comics. Like Belgians love waffles. Right. So Paul love um, them. Uh, yes, if you're ta- if you're in a relationship with someone, primarily you're texting each other, and you don't get hear from them from from many many days. Hours, look, hours. People have people have jobs. Hours, totally, totally. Hours, or it's totally. You fine. see a text, you see a text sometimes, and you can't do anything with it right there. You don't know the answer, and you just put the phone away, and then you forget it's there. That's that's fair game. Also, people Multiple, have to work. You know, I mean, you can't be a, on a, you can't be on your phone at, while you're working. She clearly has a job. She says maybe she's busy at work. Yeah. So, Fair enough. The human pulse. Josh, do you remember ever remember the first text message you got? No, I do. Oh, simply because no. I remember uh, seeing some weird blinking thing on my. It's probably a, it was a flip phone for sure, and not knowing yeah. what it was and ignoring it for a couple of days, and then finally going, "What is this?" Opening it up and seeing a message in there, and, and not being very confused. I do remember being in a hotel room. Uh oh. Uh, at a convention and it was like we were sleeping and it was like two or three in the morning and you were sleeping and then Ron was in there was several people there was it the year we had uh, nine people in the room maybe and then like at like two or three in the morning no not that one it's at two or three in the morning or something like that I just kept hearing a beep <laughs> and it drove me fucking insane and like I up and I was looking for the uh, uh, fire alarm and, and the smoke alarm and, and everything and then like I finally I don't remember if it was until the morning like I, it was your phone was it mine? And you had gotten a, yes it was your phone specifically and you had gotten a text but like it didn't wake anybody up but I didn't know what it was to stop it 
but like your phone was like under something or hidden, so I I couldn't locate the sound of the beep, and that was before I was doing any sort of texting because I remember like I had a flip phone and and I was like this is typing on this is stupid and I think it cost me like thirty five cents every time somebody sends me one, so I I don't want to do that. Um, this has yeah. been old man theater. I know. <laughs> No, that's a that's a real that's a real story. That's my. I I it sounds familiar. Still, yeah. Old man theater. Nick from Philadelphia. I've got a half relationship, half financial question. Two. St- Listen, you don't want financial advice from either one of us. Just that's my caveat to this question. Don't buy a house. A few months back, I proposed to my girlfriend of five years, and she said yes. We're both very excited to be married and go into the next stage of our lives. The, the issue is. What do we do about paying for a wedding? We're both employed and make a decent living through the though she recently switched to a dream job for a much lower pay. Also because In of there. family stuff, the good old fashioned pig headedness, we couldn't we wouldn't want any money from our parents. We ran some quick numbers and were able to put make a wedding cost about ten thousand dollars. Side note, my brother and his fiance recently moved back home for a year to pay for their upcoming sixty thousand dollar wedding. This price includes everything we'd want and everything we would want at our wedding before the cutbacks make the event no longer worth it to us. This is a lot of money and we could be spending on any number of things, house, future kid, vacations, that issue of new mutants with the first appearance of Deadpool, etc. Plus, we don't have this money on hand, so we have to either save up for a couple of years or take out a loan. So this is the crux of the question. Do we skip a wedding entirely and just do a courthouse marriage with a nice dinner for our families? Will she or I regret not making a big special day out of it? I'm leaning towards the courthouse option, worried about I'm pushing her into doing something she'll resent later. Is $10,000 worth a day of dancing to Super Bass with all of our drunk friends? Yes, but there are other factors. Super Bass, sorry. Uh, What do you think, Josh? You're the only one. That's the oldest thing that either of us have done so far. You're the only one who's married on this this show, so what do you you think? All right. Do you wish wish you'd spent your money on something else? Your wedding money? I didn't pay for my wedding, (laughs) which is key. Well, there you paid go. For my honeymoon. Okay. Oh, that's right. I Her dad paid, one right? The... Well, I wasn't going to get that specific to all of the people listening. <laughs> a, he's not listening. B, she's not listening. Yeah, that's true. She's never listened, so it's not really an issue. I remember. You know, uh, I don't know why I remember it was your dad because I remember driving up the champagne bill. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have against him? Um, <laughs> had that not been an issue at the time, I would have never wanted to spend a significant amount of amount of money on a party that was happening on one day. It seems like a wildly irresponsible decision. And I say this, my wife makes a living as a wedding photographer. And she's not cheap. Wedding photographers aren't cheap in general. There is something about it, though, that I found extremely valuable. I loved, I loved my wedding. I loved my wedding day. It was, a, it was a really wonderful day for, you know, before my kids came along, I probably said, like, that was the best day of my life. That was, like, a really wonderful thing I had. You know, my, all my family and my friends my one at, at one table, <laughs> and then her family at nine tables. Uh, I don't like people. You had um, two tables. But you all, had your family at one table, and you had your friends at another table. I know, I know, I know. Um, and so that was like it was good, but like you're starting out your life, you want like don't go into debt for it. That's a terrible idea. I'll go all alone. Susie Orman on you, or alone. Don't do that. I suppose you could save up for a while, but honestly. Have a cheap party to celebrate with a bunch of people and get people together for it. And then, you know, travel. Go do things. If you're going to have kids someday, like, go like, do other things while you can. And I think the money is better spent and creates better memories with that. I, I honestly believe that. If you can do it and it's not a hassle, then totally do it. It's great. If you can't, 
you know, spend that money on, on something that's, that's a little more experiential. Um, and if she's down with that, because, you know, a lot of people are, are bought into, you know, like, this is the goal. You want to be wedding and look like this. And that's the thing. Uh, I'd say run with it. Uh, that is, that is what I would say. I'm going through um, this now uh, with my sister who's getting married later this year, and she, I'm watching all this happen from afar, and sometimes not from afar, involving my, my own wallet, helping out. But uh, it's just insane how much all this stuff costs. Uh, and I'm not saying you shouldn't get married. I, I just I, – I, I wonder if I, we have spiraled out of control. And again, this i you know not wanting to, to take Lindsay's livelihood away, but I think we're spiraling out of control with what we are – uh, demanding of weddings uh, now. Well, here's what I would tell you about photographers. If you are going to do it, hire a good photographer because you're only going to take two things away from that day. The pictures day. are worth all the, the difference. It's going to be the photos and it's going to be like the wedding rings. And that's it. It's all you're going to have. So if you, if you, you know, you really, if you're going to really do it and spend all the money, then you may as well have a really those good record of it. Those flowers will die. Uh, the photos Yes, they will. will. The, uh, like the, and, and those kind of costs add up really fast. Yeah. 10000 sounds like a 10000 is super cheap. Uh, where yeah. does he live? But Those, even that, I mean, that's too. Yeah, it's the other thing. I know you're in a city, and that's that's a problem. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm uh, surprised he's able to go that cheap in a the city. Then just get a burn outside of town. <laughs> well, Nick, uh, it's tough. I really, really, I think you and your fiance need to look inside your and decide how important is is having a the wedding to us versus you know having a down payment for a house or something like that. Or like a like a like a trip to other places in the world. Leave the country. Go see Europe. Go see Japan, Africa, something our friend, else. Our friend like Jeff Kanata, he didn't have a wedding. He took he took spent that money and he got married in Italy and did a whole long Italy honeymoon. I mean, just depends on what he's you, older. But uh, yeah, what do you yeah, value here, more? Okay. is the question. Here's a modern day addition to that. There was a time that people didn't get together with their families all that often. And those were the kinds of things where you saw them, whether it was bar mitzvahs or weddings or whatever, because people who were disparate, you know, they would talk on the phone, everyone's going to send letters or whatever. With social media, that seems to become much less pressing. You right. kind of know what's going on with everybody, what they look like. You know, you have your interactions with them. And I know that it's virtual, but it really takes up a lot of that fascinating, like, oh, my God, Aunt Ginny, I haven't seen you. Like, it, it's... So that aspect of it doesn't seem to be as important, you know, and in that way, maybe that that party isn't as necessary. The point is Josh is making is he regrets having his wedding. I don't. I'm going to tell. I look like I was eight. You do. You do. (laughs) Yep. Let's wrap up with Joe's email. Joe says, for all my 20s, I was used to being an independent guy. I didn't take relationships too seriously. The two or three big ones that I had fizzled out for that reason. Now I've been in a great relationship for a few years with a girl I'm very serious about. It took me about a year to get past some of my bachelor habits. I bought collectibles when I wanted to, went out with my boys whenever, didn't always call when I was busy. I wasn't a bad guy, but I was focused on having uh, more on having fun than being predictable. These days I've learned that relationships can take compromise and adjust of prior, adjustment of priorities. Here's the problem. Whenever we talk about the first year, I guess the first year of dating, or when we hear about other people in similar situations, my lady goes off on how awful I was and how ashamed I should be, and she wants me to bash that old me too. But I liked him. He was fun and easygoing and self-sufficient. So what do you think? Should I hate that old me? Should I pretend like I do? Should I stand up for him? Should I smile and nod? Okay, Connor, let me ask you this. You, see, oh, you hear any Joe. red flags there? There's, there's, there's <laughs> some red flags here, Joe. What does she think you about Don not... Girl? Yeah. I, I, 
That, okay, let's go. Let's talk about Twenties Joe for a minute. Twenties Joe is okay. Yeah. Twenties Joe wasn't doing anything unusual, and Twenties Joe was cognizant enough to know what was important to him. And then when those priorities changed, he changed with them. That's right. Good job, Joe. Joe sounds like a good Lady solid now, guy. I think so, uh, and and I don't think that you have anything to regret. I am weary of the idea that that this is being brought up a lot and held against you. The the phrase goes off on how awful I, that's. I don't that's I don't problem. like when when someone makes you want to feel bad about yourself. Hmm. Um, and not and, even yourself, your your past self. When you have demonstrated that you have you know matured or your priorities have shifted and you have acted upon that, that's that's good. That's great. Yeah, you. you I mean, it's fun. You can joke about matured. it. Yeah, I, I certainly am on the receiving end of jokes about my twenties, but uh, it's, it's never in a serious manner. And and I, I would I would never be made fit ba- to feel bad about about that it's just it's troublesome when your uh significant other wants you to feel bad about the way you used to be and unless and the things the way you used to be wasn't necessarily bad you went out with your friends you got you bought things you liked and you had fun you 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 weren't you weren't in the relationship that you are in now then what i'm saying like at the beginning of the relationship that you're in now you're just dating it was not the yeah, and you didn't. You hadn't signed anything. You hadn't said this is how it's going to be. You were learning how to be in a relationship with that person, which is what everyone. So obviously, does. It, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I would, I would be concerned that that's going to be a, like I don't know to the level of which this actually happens. Like if if that gets brought up on a, on a, a noon and a Saturday, it's like a regular Tuesday day. activity. Like Wasn't if Joe that's the case, three run years ago. Yeah, Joe should run. If that's if that's what it is, if it's if it's just you know kind of ribbing and it's fun or whatever, if it's causing actual conflict, I don't like that. Or if it's causing him to like feel bad about himself. Yeah, I don't think you should feel bad about yourself. I think, I think especially really... good. You're self-aware. I mean, you were what a person is supposed to do in their twenties. You're supposed to learn what you like in the things, and and you you've shown like, hey, this is how I am. And there's nothing wrong with it. I, I keep wanting to say you grew up, but I don't even th- I, mean, I don't even think that's that. I think, Actually, well, you know, I, I think the growing up comes where he has recognized that his behavior or lifestyle didn't fit with the relationship, so he made modifications or the things he wanted. Right. So, yeah, like, he, because he felt that that was worth it. Yeah. So he matured, and that's a good thing. Everyone mm-hmm. does that. Everyone, no one. Well, that's well for the most part. No one really acts <laughs> the same way. Uh, Could be. So many people that you're referring to right now that the mind boggles. Um, um, but uh, I think, again, from as Josh said, we don't know how seriously the lady goes off and how often the lady goes off on this. But uh, if it's once in a while and it's, and it's kind of funny and it's done for humor, then that's fine. If it's all the time and she's constantly trying to get you to bash yourself, that's less than fine. And you're, you've got something that you really need to look inside yourself. Do you want to really go through this for the next 30, 40 years. Here's the thing. That doesn't get better. (laughs) It doesn't. It It only gets harder. So, Joe, I'm Uh, sorry that that's what's happening, but uh, you should take a look at yourself in the situation and and see how much it actually is hurting you because the person you're with shouldn't be hurting you like that. No, especially if you're you're doing the right thing now. Um, Just show how much worse it could be. 
There's no women out there who are like, I bet these guys could help me. <laughs> and you know what? Good call. Well, here's the thing. Those are our emails. Uh, we had a couple we didn't get to. Uh, we were running long, which is fine, but we didn't want to go super long. Uh, so thanks for writing. And first of all, hopefully everyone took this in the spirit it was intended, which is entertainment. And uh, with entertainment with a heart is what I like to call it. Like, I, like, I like to refer to our show as entertainment with a heart. So uh, that's, that's an awful tagline. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've already put it on the website. It's too late. Pick, pick of the week comic book website. Entertainment, entertainment with, with a heart. heart. It's coming to the Hallmark Channel. It's so it uh, we, we hope we brought some interesting insight, but also mostly we just hope we made you laugh. Especially if you're one of the people who wrote in. We uh, just try to be entertaining. We make no promises. If you took our advice and things go horribly wrong, we, we make no guarantees. No, we offer no cash back. We don't know. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> We're barely getting by ourselves. So hey, the, man, 10 years. In the future. I'm going to find you buried in the New Hampshire woods. Just one day. Would blame her. One day you'll just never be heard from again. It's fine. Contact at ifanboy.com is where these people wrote in. You can call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS-226-2697 to tell us uh, who you are, where you're from. Keep it around 30 seconds. That's how you get on the show. That's how you get to be part of the fun. Remember, fun. That's what these things Fun. Are. Fun. Head over, head to, over to iFanboy. Oh, I you got didn't, this. You didn't I, assign people to this part of the script, so I, I know. just I, went ahead with it. I know, but you you just keep reading anything in front of you. It doesn't say his name. Uh, go to iFanboy.com. You can comment on this show. I would love to hear other people's advice. Yes, absolutely. I want to know what you think. I think that would be really cool to read. Um, we did talk about comics at the beginning. You can talk about those, too. Um, you can talk about this week's books. Uh, you can find all of our other podcasts. You can find all of our other content. You know, like there is, like all that where do where do I start stuff? That's all still there. You think, geez, I, re- I really want to. They're, they're going to redo this this Constantine thing. What do I do? Uh, Josh, that's all there. Josh so. I had a fun time this week going through some old top five articles and laughing about how silly they were. Man, top five was great. So if you missed, that, I, and I say all, that like it was yeah. fun. You you can go back and read those. It's uh, all there. Uh, you can follow us at uh, facebook.com slash ifanboy uh, or at fanboy on Twitter, and you can follow us individually at at jflanninger and at cskilpatrick. On, on the internets. And if you'd like to show a writer review on iTunes, please, or better yet, tell your friends about us. Help spread uh, the word. If you're at a wedding, uh, you spend a lot of money at it, you might as well have a good time and tell everyone about how uh, I Fanboy Pick League podcast. I'm sure they all want to hear what if about you're, What if you're at a wedding and uh, you're sat next to a guy who hosts a podcast you like a lot? Should you tell him that at the wedding, Connor? Did that happen to you? Is that No, that happened to you. No, I wasn't sitting next to him. Oh, you're at the table. I was though. at a table. No, I was at a t- the table next to the table he was at. Okay. And he said hey to me, and it was a college wedding, so I thought, I don't remember you, but, you know, it was a long time ago. And he's like, a big fan of your show. And I was like, oh, I'm not expecting that at a wedding. But I appreciated yeah. it. We chatted. It was fine. It was nice. But I just, sometimes you're just not in the, the mind space to be, uh, to be the, the guy in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just mm-hmm. doing the chicken dance. Uh, no. No, I can honestly say I'm never doing the chicken dance. <laughs> but if you ever see us at That's a wedding, a very if you ever see us at a wedding, say hi. We're 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 lovely people. Josh yeah. will do the chicken dance with gonna, you. I'm not going to be dancing, so you, I've got time. <laughs> You'll need something to do. Uh, I do. So I, uh, I don't even know where we are in the script anymore. <laughs> oh, the by end, the way, finished. we we talked last. Was it last week about all the weddings I've got uh-huh. this year, or the week before? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got another one. So another one? Yeah. There's five. What the hell? 
I know. It was this is why we're telling this guy not to get married. <laughs> I know. Give your friends a break, for Christ's sake. a lot of travel. So uh, I like it ain't weddings. cheap for them I either. I really enjoy them. So, and I got a text message from the, the ex-fanboy staffer whose wedding it is after, after he listened to last week's show uh, ribbing me on it. So I recognize that I wouldn't have gone, but I'm a little upset I wasn't invited. I haven't been officially invited either. Yeah. But the reason I, I, I feel I am is because I'm responsible for them getting together. I, oh, that's true. I also feel that if I said I would go, I would be invited. So it's, it's fine. I just worked that all out for me. It's You're going to get a text message now. And you know what? You know what now you know what's happened is you forced his hand. He's going to have to invite you. I don't want him to do that because it's you know it's, it costs money to even invite people and it's a whole thing. It's I'm not going. So your, your I mean, message to the like, anonymous staffer is don't invite me to your wedding. I don't want to go. I mean, it would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you're an ex staffer or not, until next week, I'm Connor. <gasps> I'm I'm just Josh. I'm no Eros. I, were, I know you're Eros. You gotta love what happened. I'm no I'm no I'm no Eros. I think uh, I think that's here. I hope we didn't ruin any relationships this week. You never change. Yeah. I don't know. Though. <laughs> <laughs> as sure as the stars Bye. shine above, well, you're nobody till somebody loves you. So find yourself somebody. <laughs>